Good evening, brothers and sisters. It's so good to be with you tonight. Uh, it's a joy to be able to worship, uh, to worship God, and especially to do it with you. I, I want to, before we get started tonight, I want to tell you that um, this morning I was, I was saddened to hear of Brother Dobson's passing, and I didn't know him. <laughs> uh, and I, I wanted to tell you that to tell you that I was sad on on your behalf because I know that he was so special to this church family, and uh, and I know that that is that was a surprise to you and a, and a very difficult thing for you and um, I, I wish that I could have known him uh, just from what I've heard today I wish that I could have known him and uh, and so I, I wanted to tell you that that I sympathize with you and uh, as, as much as I am able to uh, and 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 just to share that with you um, to, to let you know that I, I can tell already uh, what a special man he was and that, that I know that you will miss him. <clears throat> this evening I want to I introduce you to a, um, a sport. Uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a really dumb sport. Um, this is just, to me, one of the worst ideas that I've ever heard of. It's called free diving. Anybody heard of free diving? You know what this is? It's essentially deep sea diving without scuba gear. It's a competitive sport where you just hold your breath. Like you would just swim in a swimming pool. You just hold your breath and go underwater. And you see how deep you can go before you die. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially the entire... Yes, I know, there are mouths agape right now. That's the way I thought about it too when I first heard this. That's essentially what you do. Anywhere from, and you know, kind of the beginner depth that people shoot for is about 60 to 75 feet down, and the world record is over 700 feet below the surface of the water. No scuba gear, no air supply, nothing. You just dive. Just as deep as you can go and still be able to come up for air. As you can imagine, this is a dangerous game. Uh, people die playing this dangerous game. The last one was in 2013. And for the many more who are successful, uh, who make it back up with air still in their lungs, for the many more who are successful, it takes its toll on the body. When you hold your breath for that long, uh, it, uh, it damages the mind because it restricts blood flow and it strains the lungs. And even at that depth and underwater, hypothermia can set in very, very quickly in those conditions. And so... Uh, Often and when the guys come back up or the girls, when they come back up to the surface, often what happens is that they'll be convulsing. Uh, they'll be seeing hallucinations. They'll need oxygen from a, from a tank of some sort. All sorts of things go wrong in doing, this, in doing this thing. It's a deadly thing to dive that deep into the darkness of the ocean. It's, it, it, it is really fun for me, by the way, to tell all this and to explain this hobby and to look around and people are going, oh, that's awful. Yeah, I know, it is. Um, I want you to take that idea, though, of just taking a deep breath and going and plunging into the deep. And, and I want you to think about that in terms of the Bible. Have you ever gone free diving into the Word of God? Just really pushed yourself purely for the desire to do it as deeply as you can go into God's Word. It is interesting to me. We talk about free diving into the depths of the ocean. We talk about a dangerous thing that can easily take life from its participants. When we talk about free diving into the Word of God and going as deep as we can go, we are talking about something that 
gives more life the deeper we go into it. Um, where free divers go into an environment there that can destroy human life, we dive into the Word of God that can give life. Where free divers experience greater strain and difficulty as they go deeper, we experience greater refreshment as we go deeper. And this one I think is the most important for us tonight, where free divers go deeper and deeper into the darkness of the ocean. When we dive into the Word of God, we find ourselves going deeper and deeper into His light. Because John tells us in his first epistle, God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. So this evening what I want to do is try to show you the power and the greatness of God's Word. This morning we talked about the power and the greatness of God Himself. I want to talk about the power of His Word. Hopefully some, in some ways that will entice you to dive into it like you have not before. To enjoy the depths and to bask in the light of God's Word. Long ago, long ago, the psalmist said, and we're familiar with this, I know that we're familiar with this, in Psalm 119, verse 105, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When you get to 1 John chapter 1, let's go ahead and turn our Bibles over there. 1 John chapter 1, John speaks of God as light, and he speaks of God's Word as light. The same kind of concept. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the Word of life. This life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. Scan down to Verse 5. Verse 5. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. You know, I just think it's interesting that the Word of God, which John touts, is talked about as a guiding light for the soul. A guiding light to take us down the path. John and the other apostles are entrusted with a great message. It is, in fact, the greatest story ever told. They are commissioned to take the story of Jesus the Christ into the world with great passion. And they did that from Jerusalem to Samaria to all of the world from that point. They took the message of the light of God's life into the world and spoke it everywhere. They shattered the darkness with the light of Christ. And they wrote it so that it could be read all over their world and in fact, all over our world. This is why the writers of the Psalms and of John and of 1 Corinthians and of numerous other books talk about the Word of God as a light. 
God's Word brings friendship to the forgotten. It brings hope to the helpless. It brings gladness to the guilty. And it brings life to the lost. Without the Word of God, John, Paul, Peter, James, and Jesus all tell us that men are lost and hopeless in the darkness. And yet, God has spoken. He has spoken and given us His light. Through the mouthpieces of the prophets and the apostles, He has spoken and He has told us that there is no darkness in Himself and if we will live in Him, we don't have to be in the dark anymore. It's an amazing picture that God has painted. In fact, we're told in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of peace. He does not intend for His people to be lost and floundering and scared in the dark. He intends for the souls that He created in His image to live in peace, surrounded by the light of illumination from His Word. I, I heard a, a, I overheard kind of secondhand a conversation uh, with somebody that, uh, that he was talking to his preacher and he said, uh, he said, I think we're getting a little too detailed in our Bible classes. And the preacher said, really, what do you mean? And he said, well, we're just, we're studying these books of the Bible so much, I'm afraid we're taking away some of the mystery of the Scripture. I know. What do you... Obviously, he misunderstood that phrase that's used in the Bible because every time you see the word mystery used in the Bible, really the emphasis of the passage is that it's not a mystery anymore. That God has revealed the answer to the mysteries. And that's what the light of God is about. It's about bringing light into places where darkness was in our lives. The Word of God. The Word of God brings light to a dark world that would cast us into outer darkness. Our brother Jason Harden, I'm going to just read you an excerpt from, a, from an essay that he wrote. Without this light, the light of God's Word, we would be completely in the dark concerning our origin, our present purpose, and our future. Without the light of God's Word, we would be groping in the darkness for the meaning of masculinity and femininity. Without the light of God's Word, we would be left to our own judgments, our own opinions, our own whims concerning the nature of marriage and sexual fidelity and sexual expression. Without the light of God's Word, we would be adrift in a sea of conflicting notions about truth and error, right and wrong. Without this light, who is to judge? On what basis are expectations expressed? Why am I held accountable and to whom? Why should I respect figures or systems of authority? What is a sin? Is there even such thing as a sin? If so, what are the consequences of violating the law that makes sin actually exist? Why are there consequences? What is justice? Where is justice? And who is the source of justice? There's no answer to any of those questions without the light of God's Word. Without Him having revealed Himself to us. It's interesting to me, without the Word of God, we're not just a little bit in the dark. Without the Word of God, we are socially confused, emotionally purposeless, and spiritually lost. Without the Word of God. And yet, it's very easily accessible. God has given us His light to illuminate our path through this life if we will only let Him do it. Have you ever tried to find your way through your own house in pitch black dark? 
if you're trying to just, I mean, it's your house. You're familiar with it. You would think, in my own house, even with the lights off, I've been through here enough times, I can figure this out. How hard can it be? I've learned that that phrase is never a good idea. <laughs> How hard can it be? You're always asking for trouble. You know, it, it, but it's your own house. You're familiar. You're there every single day in that environment. You know where things are and how it all works. But you turn off the lights, everybody's lost. Even in a familiar environment, everybody's lost. This life, living here on earth, is our house. We're here every day. We're in this life every single day. But the problem is that we're in the dark without the light of God's Word. And God's Word is what, what He has given us to turn on the lights. You know, it's one of those things... I try to find my way through my house and and I inevitably end up breaking four toes just from the living room to the kitchen because you run into everything. Ladies, I will give you childbirth is the most painful thing a person can experience. Second place is stepping barefoot on a Lego. It is the second most painful thing that can happen. Why does it happen? Because it's dark. Because you don't know about the dangers. Because you cannot see what is coming. And aren't we the same when when we talk about ourselves in this world? world. I want you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, please. In Romans 1, Paul talks about the people who live in this world and who are of the world. And he talks about the dark state that they are in, that we were in before Christ. Can we just start reading in verse 18, please? You know verse 18. I want you to pay real close attention to the rest of this passage. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. By the way, how do you show something to somebody? You hold it up in the light. There's that concept already being already coming through here. All right, let's keep going. Verse 20. God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. And so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and listen to his language. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Do you see how the light of God's Word could illuminate people if we would really let that happen? Do you see how that can work? How it could bring us all to actually understand our surroundings and be able to really navigate this world that we're living in every single day. To really see what's around us. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, I read from the English Standard Version most of the time. It's what I study from. It's what I preach from. And Ephesians 5.15 in that version says, Look carefully then how you walk. The King James Version had this great word there that said, Be sure that see then that ye walk circumspectly. Anybody know what the word circumspectly means? When's the last time you used that one? I will tell you what it means. It quite literally means looking around. Spect is the idea of a spectacle, something you see through. And circum is to circumnavigate the circumference. It's a round idea. And so he says, look carefully, look around when you walk through this world. Why? 
Why? What's the difference? Well, you want to make sure that you watch where you're step, uh, where you're stepping, that you don't step into something dangerous, and that you do take continual steps toward the light of God. This life might be your house, and you might be familiar with, and I understand all of that. But you will get hurt if you walk through this environment in the darkness. Again, I go back to the quote from Jason, from our brother Jason Harden. You want to know the right way to walk in this life? You want to know the right ways to do masculinity and femininity? You want to do the right ways to raise and educate your children? You want to know the right ways to understand what's temporary and what's eternal? The right ways to do church and the right ways to do marriage and the right ways to manage your money and your attitude? You want to avoid all the pitfalls of those things and work your way toward the presence of God? Then live in the light of His Word. Live in the light of God's Word. Carry the lantern. Turn on the lights. Let Him be the one to guide your path. And let me make this warning as well. Let's make sure that we only let God's light be the one that lights our path. It is so easy for us. It is so easy for us, for religious people, spiritually minded, thinking people, to be deceived and to get confused on what is God's will and what is man's will. And we think ourselves above that sometimes, at least I do. And, and, I've, and I'm coming to realize how many times I've thought, well, I got a real good grasp on that, and I had no idea at all what I was talking about. You know, and let me just give you one example. How many how many different times have we heard Christian teachers of any different of any different group that might be called Christian talk about the importance of marrying the kind of person who will number one make you happy and number two get you into heaven? You heard that? You marry that kind of person. Let me just remind you two things that the scriptures actually say, because they don't say that. They do say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't marry somebody to get you to heaven. They also say that you love your wife or that you respect your husband. They don't say, marry somebody that will respect you, marry somebody that will love you. Now, I know those don't sound like they're very different. But it's just interesting to me that we get confused from what God has actually said and where He's put the responsibility to thinking it's my responsibility to find somebody else to fulfill that responsibility. And you see what I'm talking about there. Now it sounds like godly advice to say you need to find somebody that will help, that will get you to heaven. But it's not really what God has said. You marry somebody and you make sure that you are encouraging them to work their own salvation with fear and trembling. And that's what I want us to understand here. When we are talking about following the light of God, one of those ideas is actually the light of God from His Word. And the other idea is a modified form of light that is kind of manufactured by man. I only think about it this way. This is a house viewed in normal daylight. That's God's light that He created. That's the way, that's the way that a house looks when you view it through that. This other picture is a house viewed through night vision goggles. That's man's light. That's the, the created form of light. It's actually dark in this environment, but we've kind of created this artificial way that we can see through it, that we can figure out what's going on. Let me just ask you, of the two, which one gives a clearer picture? God's light that he created or man's light that he manufactured to try and take its place to try and fill the void of the darkness 
man's best efforts to enlighten ourselves are never, ever going to compare with the light of God's will. And if you'd like to say amen right there, you're more than welcome to. The light that we create for ourselves will never compare with the light of God. When Jesus talked about marriage, he quoted from Genesis chapter 24, and he said that was what God intended. When In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, Adam doesn't speak, Eve doesn't speak, God is the one who speaks. And Jesus talks about that as being from Him. And, Psalm, and Jesus also quoted later from Psalm number 110, and He attributes that to, He says, the Holy Spirit. David wrote these words, in the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews chapter 3, the author quotes from Psalm 95, and he says, this is what the Holy Spirit says. What do these passages mean? Why do they matter? Because Because they show us that our Bibles are not just the written words of man. That over and over, God is reminding us, I wrote that. You need to make sure that you're listening to me. That it is not from any mankind. It is not from any source among mankind. It is not making any attempt to be up to date or follow the latest flow or, or, or check the research from the Barna Group or anything like that. It's not doing any of that. It is what I want from God Himself. And we need to make sure that when we hear it, that that's what we hear. I want you to think about something for just a minute. For all of our colonizing of the surface of the earth, and for all of the electric lights that we have installed across the surface of the earth, Siberia and its remotest reaches is brighter in the daylight than the center of New York City in the middle of the night. Think about it for just a minute. The most remote reaches of Siberia are brighter in the daylight than New York City in the middle of the night. You know what that tells me? That the light we create cannot match the light that God can create. And that is a literal truth and it is also a spiritual truth. And we need to understand it, that there is nothing, there is no substitution we can make, no modification that we can make, and no alternative that we can suggest that will fulfill our needs for this. Because it is the only true light that comes down from the Father of lights. And this ought to give us comfort. This ought to give us comfort because it means that we don't have to search for the right additions to the Word of God. We don't have to decide if we should go to Muhammad or Joseph Smith or to the Pope or anybody else who claims to have the words of God that are not found in the Scriptures. We have the light and it's complete. And we don't have to search for any further lights because it will bring us out of the darkness all on its own. Having this as the only light from God means we don't have to wonder about the world's ideas. Every, every two weeks there's a new there's a new philosophy and new psychology about how you should live that will make you happy. Oprah's got one every day, for goodness sake. Watch her. There's a new one all the time. Do do they work? Yes, some of them. But you know, you don't even have to wonder if they work because God tells you. He tells you what does work. His light will illuminate the darkness and that ought to give us peace. Having God as the sole light for our paths means that we don't have to worry about our lives being unfounded because the basis for living is going to, is going to change or decay in some way. I'm fascinated with old houses. I know that's a weird thing and I, I just like seeing the, the, I don't know, the, the decay and the way that houses break down. I like seeing an old house out in the sticks somewhere and kind of looking at it and going, wow, that used to be the center of somebody's life. I wonder what the, family was like that lived here. I wonder what all this, you know, what all revolved around this house that's now dilapidated and falling down. And I know that's a bit melancholy, but it works for me. But I tell you that to to, to say this. 
to say this. The strongest foundation that you can put under your house does not guarantee that it will be a permanent structure. You know, we, we, we just moved up here from north of Nashville, and, um, and not long ago we took a tour of the Johnny Cash Museum. And, uh, and it was just really, it was very sad to me. I didn't, I didn't know that Johnny Cash's house had burned down. And it was very sad to me to see they have one of the walls. It was the only thing they were able to preserve from the whole house. But it's there in the museum. And you kind of look at that, and then you look at pictures of the house, and you go, wow, that was magnificent. It was built out of stone. I mean, that thing was, was built to last. And here's the only piece we have left you know there's just something to be said when we build the foundation it can always fade it can always fail it can always crumble unless the foundation is built on something stronger something bigger than this life and that's the that's the point i think of jesus's mountain message that's the way he wraps up the whole thing very near the beginning of jesus mountain message in matthew chapter 5 he says you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden okay lord but what does that light do well he said if you put it on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house that's your goal you are to be a light to show god's glory so that people will will give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now that's the way that he starts. When he's wrapping up the whole thing at the end of chapter 7, he talks about building your life on the right foundation. And he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He starts off talking about a life lived in the light. And he wraps the whole thing up talking about a life built on the right foundation that never changes and doesn't fail. God's light, God's way of living, God's path that His Word illuminates is a foundation that doesn't change ever. It is a foundation that doesn't need to change ever. And it's a foundation built on the one in whom there is no darkness at all. When we talk about God, we're talking about the source of light for all eternity. The one whom he describes himself as illuminating the new Jerusalem, the city that comes down out of heaven. And when we talk about his word, we're thinking about the light when, about which he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The lamp of God's word is one for us that will never go out. And we started off talking about Psalm 119, uh, where the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet. Psalm 119, verse 105. In verse 89, just a handful of verses ahead of that, he had already said, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Forever. The Word of God is as long-lasting as God Himself. His ideas, His light to illuminate the proper use of a human soul, the proper way of living, the proper attitude. His light is everlasting and unchanging. When the situations of our lives change, God's Word stays the same. When when people around us change and they either impress us or depress us, God's Word doesn't change. Even though the mentalities of our government leaders change, God's Word doesn't change. 
Even though uh, our family relationships, they, they morph and they change over time, they get better and they get worse at different times, even though all that change is going on, God's Word doesn't change. Even though our church, our spiritual family, might go through difficult times and big changes, God's Word doesn't change. It simply doesn't happen. Even though, even though everything else in our lives can let us down and leave us standing at the end of the day going, what happened? God and God's Word, they do not change. There is no better time to remember this than when the rains fall and the storms come and they beat against the house that is my life. And it's then that I have to rely most on the foundation that makes me strong, on the light that shows me, that cuts through the darkness and shows me the path to righteousness. It is in my darkest, stormiest nights when the clouds conceal even the meager light of the stars that God's light must shine supreme. The unquenchable light of God's will in my heart. That's what it takes to live for Him. May God help all of us to seek His Word as a lamp, to seek His Word as our only lamp, and to see this world through the lamp that is His will. Amen. If you're going to be using a songbook tonight, would you go ahead and take that out and put your Bible away? I told you at the beginning of the lesson about the difference between free diving in the ocean and taking a free dive into the Word of God and how one brings death and one brings life and how one is into the darkness and the other is into light. Don't you want to do that even more now? Just to see the light that is there. To dive into God's own way of thinking. And to find out what is in His heart. I pray that tonight's lesson has made you all the more excited about the possibilities of the Word of God. And I pray that if there's somebody here tonight who knows that you've walked away from the light and that you've dived into the darkness, that you will come back up for air. That you will come into the light of God's Word and that you will let Him give you life that doesn't end. Because it is built on doing His will. If there's somebody that needs to respond to that invitation, that wants to come to Him, and you want to make your need known publicly tonight, would you do that by coming forward while we stand and sing this song? Here at the cross.